0: Giles Cory was a wizard strong, a stubborn wretch was he, and fit was he to hang on high upon the locust tree. So when before the magistrates for trial he did come, he would no true confession make, but was completely dumb. Giles Cory said the magistrate, What hast thou here to plead? To those who now accuse thy soul of crime and horrid deed. Giles Corey, he said not a word. No single word spoke he. Giles Corey, said the magistrate, we will press it out of thee. They got them then a heavy beam, then laid it on his breast. They loaded it with heavy stones and hard upon him pressed. More weight, now, said this wretched man. More weight, again he cried. And he did no confession make, but wickedly, he died. Hi!
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to a very special episode of The, the Haunted, Heart Haunted Heart
0: Podcast.
2: So it should be obvious from our introductory literature that we are going to delve into a very special topic today, the Salem Witchcraft Trials. Yes. We wanted to do something super special for our 31st episode, so we are attempting to tackle this monumental topic. This (laughs) beast. I am very excited to uh, get this episode recorded so that this is not all in my head, because I am alienating my family um however before we jump into the topic we do have a very very special new member to induct into our party on the patreon
1: party on the patreon
2: isn't that like the tune of like an 80s song i want to party on the patreon
1: i don't think so but yeah
2: i think that was the tune to electric avenue for anybody who is an (laughs) 80s music fanatic that's what that was Anyway, today we are going to light a candle, and we are going to invoke our friend Jenny G, who is our newest Cannibal
0: Cult member.
2: Jenny G, your candle is lit. And it will sit right beside me and my mic, and I will not knock it over. We have dressed this candle with good intentions, goodwill, and prosperity for you and yours. And we welcome you wholeheartedly into our cannibal cult.
1: Yes. And remember, your candle will be lit through the episode, but always and forever in our hearts.
2: All right, so let's get into this episode. Um, Of course, everyone knows about the Salem Witch Trial, pretty much. We literally learned about it in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was the deadliest witch hunt in the history of the United States.
1: Yes, it was.
2: It took place between February 1692 and May 1693, and more than 200 people were accused of being witches. 19 people were found guilty. I have guilty in air quotes because, of course, most of these people were not witches at all and those 19 people were executed. 14 women were hanged, or 14 women and five men were hanged. Uh, Five people, at least, died in jail. That's a conservative number. And one other man, otherwise known as Giles Corey, was pressed to death for refusing to plead.
1: And you forgot two dogs. Two dogs, (laughs) Two dogs. Two dogs. (laughs) dogs. Sorry to the animal lovers out there.
2: Uh, According to historian George Lincoln Burr, the Salem Witchcraft Trials was the rock on which theocracy was shattered forever in this country. Um, this was when we kind of saw that having a government based on a religion is probably not a good idea, even not if it was a good, a good religion.
1: No, not a good idea. Shouldn't do that. Yeah. Shouldn't do the things that we were trying to run away from. Yeah, right? And, and then do that. Very ironic.
2: Yes. Shouldn't run away from a country that has no freedom of religion or separation of church and state, and then start a new country with no freedom of religion or separation of church and state. But that's actually a misconception. We're taught that the Puritans left uh, the old country because they were looking for freedom of religion. They were not. They were looking for freedom for their religion and their religion only. True. So they were definitely assholes to people who were other religions. True. As we shall see.
1: Yes. As we'll dive into.
2: Yes. So um, did you want to take us through some of the inciting incidents and kind of lay down... An overview for us.
1: Yes. So that we're
2: all on the same page to investigate this thing.
1: Yes. So most of you pretty much uh, know these facts already. Uh, so I didn't go into a great uh, depth of detail But I've got a few bullet points here. So we know that Salem was a puritanical society. So these people were bound pretty severely to biblical ideals. One of which is the idea that witches and witchcraft is a product of the devil. Yes. Salem itself was uh, a town that had a lot of problems at this point. We were experiencing a mini ice age that caused a lot of economic deterioration. Within Salem, and there was a lot of conflicts happening between Salem Village and Salem Town, which most people may not know were actually two separate entities. Mm. Salem Village was, is considered to be modern-day Danvers, mm. Massachusetts. Salem Town is what we currently know as Salem
2: can you imagine, like, being a resident of Danvers and, like, being perpetually, eternally pissed that, like, you don't have, like, the moniker of Salem? Right. And people are like, oh, the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, they happened in Salem. And then Danvers is just like,
0: but what about us? But what about or, us? But what I about mean? us? <laughs> yeah,
1: it yeah, would. Yeah, most people don't realize that, um, that that's where it all started, it was actually in Salem Village so in february of 1962 we've got nine-year-old betty paris and her cousin 11 year old abigail williams they began to experience strange fits these fits were described as being anything past that of biological explanation they screamed threw things contorted their bodies into strange ways and would utter strange sounds Sounds like me trying to get up in the morning, though.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been there. (laughs) Strange fits. Yep.
1: Just contorting your body. I mean, just think about it. Like, just stretching. Yeah. I'm just trying to say.
2: I mean, I do that at multiple points during the day. I make people uncomfortable at the gym. It's fine. Yeah.
1: So, soon after, several other girls in Salem Village began to experience similar fits, often bursting out during sermons with the complaints of being pricked or pinched. It was a local doctor, presumably William Griggs, who first suggested bewitchment as a cause after he failed to find anything physically wrong with them. These girls were key in the false accusations of village members such as Tituba, Rebecca Nurse, Sarah Good, and many others. Now, these people were most likely not practitioners of witchcraft, as we have stated, but they were accused of witchcraft because of the way they dressed, spoke, or even because they simply had a conflict with someone else.
2: True. Or their ethnicity. Yeah. You Obviously. Know, racism. <laughs> it's an American tradition. It,
1: it really is. It r- for real is. So this becomes a strain on the local courts. So they decide to set up the court of Oyer and Terminer, which was designed specifically to host cases of witchcraft.
2: Actually, just to provide a little bit of um, background on the court itself. So although many Americans associate the Salem witch trials with like the ultimate witch hunt, because it's the biggest witch hunt that we've ever experienced here. witch hunting, witch, winch. Winch, winch I mean, hunting. You know, synonym. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Basically the same. Uh, witch hunting was all the rage in the 15th, 16th, and early 17th centuries in Europe. So it's a tradition that uh, that European settlers carried over from Europe, um, but it had begun to fade out by the mid-17th century uh, when Salem happens, like in the late 17th century. So they were yes. a little bit off
1: trend. They were not with on their witch
2: hunting. Witch hunting. Witch hunting. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, New World authors such as Joseph Glanville were obsessed with witchcraft and they kept the witch hunting spirit alive way after it had died out in Europe. In uh, Granville's work Against Modern Sadducism, which came out in 1668, He claimed that to deny the existence of witches and apparitions was to deny the existence of God as well. Mm. And you know our Puritans can't have that. Mm. So for the Puritans, and for many people who were alive at this time, demons, witches, devils, all of that was as real to them as anything else. So it was very literal, and it was very, like, immediate. Um, if you had a dream that a demon appeared to you, it wasn't a metaphor. It wasn't a symbol as we kind of take those things now. It was literal. A literal demon had just rolled up in your bedroom.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess to them, you can't have God without the devil. Exactly. Exactly. And to deny the devil would be essentially to to deny deny God, God.
2: which is a big, big no, no. Yes. So now we can delve delve into our.
1: Yes, so
2: our first. Niche.
1: Uh, at this point, you get people. It's kind of like an Oprah show. You're a witch. You're a witch. You're a witch. You're all witches. That's kind <laughs> of what we have going on right now, right? Uh, so, but our very first one, our witch number one, uh, was a lady by the name of Bridget Bishop. She is described as a singular character that cannot easily be described. Uh, she was born sometime That's between... how I want to be described. Yeah. She is not easily she described.
2: Cannot described. She, <laughs> like, she cannot be described. She
1: like cannot be described.
2: MySpace about me is not easily described. I feel period. like that That's was
1: it. your MySpace, MySpace description at one point.
2: I think my MySpace description was like some two-line poem written by some obscure internet author. It was It was heavy. It was heavy.
1: Going back to goth Katie. If
2: anyone can find my MySpace, send it to me. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was like myspace.com slash like rocker49 or something weird like that. And I have the number 49 has no significance to me whatsoever. Rocker49. I think it was like rocker underscore 49. I'm sure,
1: it wasn't like myspace.com slash uh, cynical, lady, cynical in red. lady in red. No,
2: I think that one was taken. It's fine. <laughs> no, I think it was like rocker underscore 49 or some bullshit like that. Anyway, okay. Back to 1692. back to Bridget. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Where they did not have MySpace. <laughs> they did not. So she was born sometime between 1632 and 1637. She had been married three times. Her third, Ooh. right. Did
2: they die? Or did she, well, they her, must have died.
1: Well, yes. So her third and final marriage after the deaths of her first two husbands was to Edward Bishop, who was employed as a lumber worker. And she appears to have had no children in any of her marriages. Okay. So although Bishop had been accused by more individuals of witchcraft than any other witchcraft defendant, it was not so much her acts of witchcraft that caused her to be the first witch hanged in Salem, as it was her flamboyant lifestyle and exotic manner of dress. Okay. Despite being a member of Mr. Hale's church in Beverly, where she remained a member in good standing until her death, Bishop often kept the gossip mill busy with stories of her publicly fighting with her various husbands, entertaining guests in home until late in the night, drinking and playing the forbidden game of shovel board, apparently, apparently that was forbidden, Okay. and being the mistress of two thriving taverns in town. Some even went I fucking
2: so I like I, I mean <laughs> I I genuinely enjoy her.
1: Right, she sounds like a good time. Some even went so far as to say that Bishop's dubious moral character and shameful conduct caused discord to arise in other families and young people were in danger of corruption. Bishop's blatant disregard for the respected standards of Puritan society made her a prime target accusations of witchcraft Mm -hmm. in addition to her somewhat outrageous now we're talking like by puritan standards here (laughs) her outrageous lifestyle the fact that bishop was in the habit of dressing more artistically than women of the village also contributed in large part to her conviction and execution she was described as wearing a black cap and a black hat and a red paragon bodice bordered and looped with different colors Okay. She sounds fashionable. She sounds
2: like fashion.
1: She's got some fashion sense, right?
2: She does. She sounds like fashion.
1: But this was a showy costume, right, for the Times. Okay. Aside from the encouraging rumors and social disdain. A showy disdain, costume. It was. This showy that costume be the is time. how it's described. A, a showy, showy costume. costume. Was used as evidence against her at her trial for witchcraft. In his deposition, uh, Shatuck... The town dyer mentions, and this is as corroborative proof of Bishop being a witch, that she used to bring his dye house, quote, sundry pieces of lace of shapes and dimensions entirely outside his conceptions of what would be needed in the wardrobe of a plain and honest woman. Sounds like she she was trying to get her lace panties. (laughs) Right. That sounds like she's trying to get some lace panties dyed. Okay. She had them. She bought them in a respectable off-white color. I'm sure of the times. Yeah, because that's she probably all they sold. And and she wanted them in a red, maybe. She
2: wanted some black panties. Or
1: some black. She yeah. wanted them dyed.
2: Everybody needs some black panties. Right, right, Let's right, right. buy a pair of black panties.
1: So. Tried and true. But this old trusty. But this or these like costumes or fashionable apparel was regarded by the Puritans as a snare and a sign of the devil. So, on April 18th of 1962, when a warrant was issued for bishops' arrest for witchcraft, she was no stranger to the courthouse by then. In 1680, she had been charged... <laughs> again, a phrase that I would like to have in my, she was in no my, my stranger. Face. She was no stranger to the courthouse, honey. Uh, in 1680, she had been charged but cleared of witchcraft, and on other occasions, she had ended up in the courthouse for violent public quarreling, again with her husband, Uh, Bishop had never seen or met any of her accusers until her questioning. While several of the afflicted girls cried out and writhed in the supposed pain that she was causing them, John Hathorne and Jonathan Corwin questioned her, although she was little doubt in either their minds as to her guilt. So they questioned her. She denied it, obviously. Mm -hmm. She claimed her innocence, saying, I am innocent. I know nothing of it. I have done no witchcraft. I am as innocent as the child unborn. I don't know about that, though, girl. <laughs> I, girl, like I'm with you and I support you, but I think that was my, mm, that was a little far fetched.
2: I feel like a little bit more honest would be like, uh, "Your Honor, um, I like to get down, but I ain't no witch, babe." <laughs>
1: listen i just wanted some black panties i, ju- I like black panties you
2: just you know you just gotta have them ain't no victoria's secret here ain't no delicates sh- like s- specialty boutique stores here no i just gotta take this cloth over to this little man and let him dye these panties girl just dye them yourself right. get a little pinterest on it like right. come on
1: That should have told you right then and there she wasn't a witch. Damn, a true witch maybe would have just died them herself. For sure,
2: honey. We ain't going to pay nobody nothing that we can do our fucking selves. (laughs) We made Pinterest.
1: Exactly. So when asked by one of her jailers, uh, Bishop claimed that she was not troubled to see the afflicted persons so tormented and could not tell what to think of them and did not concern herself about them at all. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like you, Katie. I feel it. What do you think about these poor girls writhing in pain? I don't know. What the fuck?
2: <laughs> Honey, have How some fucking, water. <laughs> Are you dehydrated?
1: <laughs> But the afflicted girls were not Bishop's only accusers. Her sister's husband claimed that, quote, she sat up all night conversing with the devil and that the devil came bodily into her. Mm. Mm. I bet he did, girl. <laughs> With a whole town against her, Bishop was charged, tried, and executed within eight days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On June 10th, as crowds gathered to watch, she was taken to Gallows Hill and executed by the sheriff, George Corwin. She displayed no remorse and professed her innocence at her execution.
0: Mm-hmm
1: the last words that she muttered was, you will keep silent right before she was hanged and killed. Hmm. So Bishop's death did not go unnoticed in Salem. The court took a short recess. Accusations slowed down for a minute, uh, for about a month actually, uh, before they were reinstated. And one of the judges, Nathaniel Saltonstall, resigned, having become dissatisfied with the court's methods. Even Governor Phipps had doubts about the methods of the court and went to Boston to consult the ministers there as to what should be done with the rest of the accused. And fortunately for the 18 others who would be hanged as witches, in addition to the one pressed to death, and the several who died in prison, the ministers decidedly and earnestly recommended that the proceedings should be, quote, vigorously Carried on, and so they were.
2: Yeah. So you had um, these ministers are like a big influence, obviously, on this whole thing, right? Yes. So you have um, you have these girls who are acting crazy out of their minds, right? And they're they're like young, right? These are they're, yeah,
1: nine years old, yeah. eleven years old. You're dealing
2: with thing. kids who are like you know they haven't even hit pu- puberty yet, and so. The thing about kids is, if you give them attention, they'll keep doing the stuff to get the attention. Uh-huh. Because kids love attention. Yes. And if you think about it, you know, you're in a puritanical society. You work hard all day. In those days, kids were just extra farm hands that you didn't have to fucking pay and you right. barely had to feed. Um, it wasn't like things are today where our kids are like these weird, like, I mean, I guess I shouldn't call it weird, but like our kids are cherished and loved and we have kids because we want to have kids and we have kids because we want them to dream and grow up and become like people in the world and carry on our line and blah, blah, blah. Back in those days, you had kids because you had to work a fucking farm.
1: Right. You needed the help, honey.
2: And they were free labor. So you have to imagine that these kids aren't necessarily getting attention lavished on them, especially in a puritanical society. You also have girls who are uh, of that age where they're starting to have lots of weird changes in their bodies and they're starting to feel lots of strange things that in a puritanical society, you're not necessarily taught how to deal with.
1: I feel like there should have been like a, a, a Salem late 1700s PBS special on TV. Like, you know, what we used to list like <laughs> in, on the magic um, box of pictures, on the magic picture box. Yeah. Oh, God. Could you imagine <laughs> trying to teach like. Children about, like, puberty and sex Mm -hmm. and stuff from a TV back then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Dead. So it's – basically the point here is that it's a very weird time for these kids. And they're in a society that isn't necessarily uh, gentle when it comes to kids having a a difficult time. So, you know, they're having these episodes, um, whether it's genuine or whether it's not, whichever way you believe – they are getting attention for it, and so that's sort of feeding itself. But then the other side of the story is you have these ministers who are all grown men, uh, and they are all men, definitely, evidently uh, <laughs> men,
1: definitely a man.
2: And they are sort of feeding into this history, you know, that we talked about of witch hunting. Um, This thing that has, at this point, fallen out of favor, but they're leaning really hard on the old traditions of witch hunting. If you have never heard of the Malleus Maleficarum, it is a book that was written in the 1400s, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think it was 1458. I'm not 100% sure on the year. But it was written in the 1400s. It's about witch hunting. It is the prototype of the witch hunting text Yes, And at one point in time, in the 15th and 16th centuries, it was surpassed in popularity only by the Bible.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So this is a huge, of course we don't hear about it now, stuff like that gets buried. Um, But witch hunting was a huge deal. The significance of it cannot be overstated. Um, So they're leaning on texts like the Malleus Maleficarum in this whole trial process. And one of the, I guess, main figures uh, in particular that influenced this thing that I truly believe the witch trials would not have gone the way that they did and would not have blown up the way that they did were it not for this character, uh, and that is Cotton Mather. Yes. So if you've ever read a book on the witch trials, you've heard Cotton Mather's name tossed around. Um, he's He's an integral player. Interestingly, he wasn't present for a lot of it, supposedly. That's hazy. So digging into Cotton Mather for a minute, just so you understand who this guy is, and I'm sure that you know who this guy (laughs) is, Cotton Mather had daddy
1: issues. Ooh.
2: Uh, Despite his best efforts, Cotton never became quite as well-known and successful in politics as his father. So his father was Increase Mather. I love I'm sorry, that name. I'm sorry if I'm like pronouncing that wrong, but I really couldn't find another. No, I think it's, pronoun- it's Increase Mathers. Increase. <laughs> increase. I feel like there should be a rapper called Increase.
1: Increase.
2: Increase. It's kind of like DJ kinda Khaled. Like be- well, I was thinking another like, one.
1: I was thinking like Beyonce's Upgrade You, but it's like increase. Mathers Increase.
2: Mathers Increase. <laughs> All the way up.
1: Let me increase you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was a lot less sexy than that, but <laughs> Increase Mather was a huge deal uh, in the New World, in the Northeast in particular. Um, he was a politician. He was he had written several pamphlets, and he was the type of dude who people respected. Cotton was always in his father's footsteps, and he tried really, really hard to create a career of his own and he was driven very much by that sense of competition with mm. his father. You know this guy, you know the guy who feels like he's been upstaged by his older brother or his dad yeah. and his whole life is this fucking shit-tastic homage to the fact that he thinks he's not quite as good as them.
1: Yeah, he's plagued by insecurities.
2: Absolutely. That's what we're dealing with when we're looking at Cotton Mather. So Cotton publishes Memorable Providences which is sort of like a novella thing, uh, in, 19, in 1689, which detailed the afflictions of several children in the Goodwin family in Boston. Goody, Clo- or Goody Glover, uh, who was a Catholic washerwoman who worked for the Goodwins, was eventually convicted of witchcraft and executed in this case. And Cotton played a huge role in it. Cotton actually lived with the Goodwins for a while. He observed the children. He uh, observed supposed visitations by spirits and things of that nature in witchcraft. Uh, and he then wrote this book that was based off of his observations.
1: While he was staying with them.
2: Yes. And he believed uh, that witches and devils were immortal souls. That's what he called them, immortal souls. And he believed that witches appeared spectrally as themselves. And appearing spectrally, if nobody knows about like astral projection and things like that, it's basically where I, sitting in this room, recording the podcast with Kenny, close my eyes and think really hard, and I can project my own image perhaps into your bedroom to do a little dance for you and blow your kiss. I'm not be gonna on, hurt you.
1: Be on the lookout for that tonight, guys.
2: <laughs> not gonna hurt you. Only gonna only gonna give you share some love.
1: I'll just sit in the corner and stare at you.
2: <laughs> God. <laughs> That's worse. I'm not sure which one's worse. Um, Yes, so we have this belief in witches appearing spectrally. That'll become important later, and it'll come up a couple times. Um, So Memorable Providence is thought to have laid the groundwork for the Salem witch trials, which happened three years later, Mm -hmm. three years after this whole Goodwin family incident. Cotton was influential in the construction of the court for the trials from the beginning. Cotton Mather had basically gotten the incredibly unpopular lieutenant governor, William Stoughton, his job due to Cotton's connections with his powerful father. And as such, Cotton had considerable influence over Stoughton. Uh, One of the quotations uh, from one of the, I guess, spectators was that intercession, it says, it's quote, intercession has been made by Cotton Mather for the advancement of Stoughton, a man of cold affection's Proud, self willed, and covetous of distinction. End quote. So it's pretty clear that Stoughton was not the coolest dude. No. And Cotton <laughs> kind of pulled some strings, got daddy to pull some strings. Yeah. And slipped him on into lieutenant governor. Um, so Stoughton, Cotton kind of had Stoughton's ear. Afterward, after this whole hullabaloo with the Salem witch trials is over, Cotton claimed not to have attended any trials in Salem he kind of washes his hands of it and steps away but bastard all throughout the tri- the trials cotton mather publicized and praised the trials writing quote, if in the midst of many dissatisfaction among us the publication of these trials may promote such a pious thankfulness unto god for justice being so executed among us i shall rejoice that god is glorified
1: you know what he is end quote He's a fuck boy.
2: He is. He is a fuck boy. He is the <laughs> proto fuckboy
1: boy. Absolutely. Proto fuckboy boy. Love it.
2: Absolutely. Around this same time, Cotton Mather also wrote The Wonders of the Invisible World, which praised how carefully the court was managing the Salem witch trials. What
1: is this thing with writing and it's like every like you could write a pamphlet like you said he wrote a pamphlet.
2: Yeah. Like I think.
1: Can I write a pamphlet? Yeah.
2: I think. I think maybe that is the equivalent of like a Facebook, like a long Facebook post, (laughs) like a Facebook (laughs) note nowadays. It's like let's put all of our
1: thoughts into this pamphlet and like pass it around. Oh
2: my gosh, it's a blog. It is. It's it was their equivalent of a blog, and they had time to do shit like that. Like back way back when, people would write like novels in like a couple months, because they didn't fucking have all these distractions that we have. Right. And they, you know. Oh, well. I like 2018 and not being burned as a wish, so, (laughs) or hung. Um, So that's the type of shit that Cotton Mather's doing. Clearly he, and he was in Boston, so he was definitely one of those uh, priests, or not priests, this is not Catholicism. Um, He was one of those preachers, um, ministers, who Kenny was talking about, um, that some of the folks from Salem went up to Boston to get... um, Feedback from yes. and Cotton Mather was Cotton Mather was there, and he wanted to fucking hang all the witches.
1: Well, this Facebook. was I'm assuming was like his moment. Yes, he thought. Yes, my moment. Yes, he saw the stars and the clouds part, and he saw he, he saw God hand him this opportunity down, and he said, "I will finally be better than Daddy."
0: Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So.
2: Despite Cotton Mather's claim that he never tended any of the witch trials, Robert Caliph, a contemporary of Cotton, wrote the following regarding his participation at the public execution of George Burroughs, which was held on August 16th, 1692. So this is a first, this is an eyewitness uh, firsthand account of Cotton Mather
1: at, at an execution. At an execution. Which he said he never did. That he was there and he attended.
2: Quote, Mr. Burroughs was carried in a cart with the others through the streets of Salem to execution. When he was upon the ladder, he made a speech for the clearing of his innocency with such solemn and serious expressions as were to the admiration of all present. His prayer, which he concluded by repeating the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to end quote here because uh, one of the thing, one of the big beliefs about witches was that they could not utter prayer. And of course, George Burroughs utters a prayer and then the full Lord's Prayer on the gallows to be hanged. Yeah. So uh, back into the quote here, Burroughs' repetition of the Lord's Prayer was so well worded and uttered with such composedness as such fervency of spirit as was very affecting and drew tears from many so that it seemed to some that spectators would hinder the execution. The accuser said the black man, the devil, stood and dictated to him. As soon as he was turned off, hanged, Mr. Cotton Mather, being mounted upon a horse, direct him, directed himself to the people, partly to declare that he, Mr. Burroughs, was no ordained minister, partly to possess the people of his guilt saying that the devil often had been transformed into the angel of light, and this did somewhat appease the people, and the executions went on. When he, Mr. Burroughs, was cut down, he was dragged by a halter to a hole or grave between rocks about two feet deep. His shirt and breeches were pulled off, and an old pair of trousers of one executed put on his lower parts. He was so put in, together with John Willard and Martha Carrier, that one of his hands and his chin and a foot of one of them was left uncovered. End quote. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see how, and this is a thing that happens throughout these trials, you know, rules are made like, well, witches can't pray. They can't say a prayer. Right. And then an accused witch says a prayer with no problem, and her flesh doesn't melt off her face. And so then we just make a new rule. Yes. Oh, well, the devil was possessing them and allowing them to say this prayer. Right.
1: I think it's important to note that at this point we have seen a couple of times where we could have, or even as a community, Salem could have stood up for something. You know, Mm -hmm. like even after the first witch was hung, or quote quote, witch, when Bridget was, was hung and everybody sort of stood back in shock, but they did nothing. Right. And then this, when you have Burroughs who was... A very, he was essentially by all accounts of a man of God.
2: Yes. Yeah. You know,
1: he was a former minister. Yes. Um, reciting a Lord's Prayer. We see that. We do nothing.
2: Right. And, and people accept the justification that oh well the devil must have allowed them to do that. The devil must have possessed them and allowed them to do it. Right. Um, you know, so There's that theory of, like, the evolving witch that is going throughout the witch trials. Um, Instead of people stopping to think, maybe we're wrong. Right. (laughs) Maybe we're just
1: wrong. Well, I think at that point you probably don't want to be wrong. Yeah, because you've murdered You've murdered so many people, people and you don't want to be wrong. Whether, you know, you have powers that be who are pulling the strings, or even just you as a viewer of the community, you don't want to... You don't want it to be true that this is happening because of, you know, anything other than what people are saying it is, which is witchcraft and the devil. And they deserve to die. And they deserve to die.
2: Yeah. At that point, everybody has bought in because these are public executions. People are, you know, it's a very participatory thing. It's not something that's being done in the dark. It's not something that's being, you know hidden from people it's very public so everybody is bought in at this point and if we're wrong at this point then we are fucking murderers all of us yeah um so despite the fact that cotton Mather, again after this whole thing is over he ducks tail and runs and pretends he has nothing to do with this um on september 2nd 1692 after 11 Accused witches had been executed. Cotton Mather wrote a letter to Chief Justice William Stoughton congratulating him on, quote, extinguishing of as wonderful a piece of devilism as has been seen in the world.
1: That's some fucked up shit. End quote.
2: Yes. Yeah. So clearly he's bought into this. Clearly he's thinking this is his big moment, that he can be some Mm -hmm. sort of spiritual guide for for these people who are self-imploding. And maybe for him... It was just a way to manifest his frustration at feeling inadequate. Yeah. uh, In a small village. Yeah. um, That was easy to stoke up the wildfire flames in. Right. So, so throughout the trials, uh, we have a couple different types of, of evidence or tests that are used. And there were a ton of them, um, but we'll, we'll just talk about a couple. So we talked about spectral evidence. Yes. Spectral evidence, just to give you a, a quick definition, um, spectral evidence refers to the testimony of the afflicted who claimed to see apparitions or shapes of the person who was allegedly afflicting them. It'd be like if I accused Kenny of witchcraft against me and I told them that you know, every night when I go to bed I'd see Kenny... An image of Kenny doing the Macarena in my bedroom. Right. Um, this evidence was very um, speculative, obviously, and we'll kind of get into that a bit later. But the other uh, big thing was the witch cake. So, sometime in February 1692, likely after the afflictions began, but before specific names were mentioned, a neighbor of Reverend Paris, whose name was Mary Sibley, instructed John Indian, one of the minister's slaves, to make a witch cake. She intended to use traditional English white magic to discover the identity of the witch who was afflicting the girls. Now, let's go through that one more time.
1: English white magic.
2: Mary Sibley intended to use traditional English white magic to discover the identity of the witch who was afflicting the girls. Yeah. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Or a bad witch.
1: Yeah. I think- Did you ever
2: notice that she asked her that question after she tells her that bad witches are ugly? Yeah.
0: Is <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> so a good one or a bad
2: one? Mm, savage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think this was something that was really interesting to me because, and I, I got some things on this as well, but it's how, it's like, how is this? You, you're accusing all these people for right. random things of witchcraft, like, you know, wearing a colorful corset or whatever. Right. But this bitch over here who is, like, making witch cakes yeah. or instructing people to do witch cakes, yeah. she's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's white magic. It's, it's, it's good It's magic, English right? white magic. Yes. Good, good English magic. Good English white magic. Yeah, we magic. Scottish can tell you a little bit about that fucking English magic. <laughs> <laughs> here. Um so Mary Sibley intended uh to use this witch cake to discover the identity of the witch who was afflicting the girls. The cake was made of rye meal and urine from the afflicted girls and it was fed to a dog. Mm. According to English folk to the English folk's understanding of how witches accomplished affliction, when the dog ate the cake, the witch herself would be hurt. So you yes. collect the pee from the afflicted, you make a fucking cake with rye meal, um, you feed it to a dog. When the dog eats that cake, the witch then is injured. Invisible particles that the witch had supposedly sent to the- afflict the girls were believed to remain in the girl's urine, and a woman's cries of pain when the dog ate the cake would identify her as the witch. Mm. So we feed this dog this cake, and then we just fucking get real quiet. And we just listen real hard Wait,
1: Just uh, hope and pray that you didn't stub your toe At the moment they yeah, did that For or real like, Or that cut you're in yourself, childbirth You're in childbirth
2: <laughs> Fucking you better aqu- You better quiet place that shit up
1: For real <laughs>
2: Just fucking Just sh- sh- hush, bit. hush 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 Yeah So I would fail that test yes, you would I'm literally never quiet
1: <laughs> Exactly
2: so the third test that was used um, is the touch test. If
1: the Is that like with the doll and it's like, where did they know? <laughs> Show me where on the doll that they touched you. Show me where the witch did her witchery. Show me where. Bitch where. which where. <laughs> <Witch> where. <laughs> I love it.
2: Yeah. Um, the touch test is basically, it is not the doll test. Uh, But it's, if the accused witch touched the victim while the victim was having a fit and the fit stopped, observers believed that that meant the accused was the person who had afflicted the victim.
1: Oh, because that is like.
2: So not fakeable, right? So
1: not, yeah. Like, oh, that is concrete.
2: Yeah. Can you imagine the icy stares between the accused and the victim? (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Bitch, you better keep having that fucking fit. You
1: don't. You, you better keep having that fucking fit, bitch, or I'm going to cut I'll your ass. i
2: give you something to have a fit of
1: Only time I get out of jail, you fucking bitch.
0: (laughs) You wait till I actually am freed from this husk of flesh and bone. And I I am a spirit who will fly through the night into your fucking bedroom and crawl into your eardrum and fuck your brain up and
1: scramble your (laughs) will. Right. I would be like. The whole courtroom's just silent. I mean, they're hearing everything you're saying (laughs) to them. It's like. I am not a witch, but bitch, if you don't fucking comply with this, I will become a witch. I will become one. I ain't got shit to lose.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for real. So several of the accused actually later recounted their experience with the touch test. Uh, There's a direct quote uh, that says We were blindfolded and our hands were laid upon the afflicted persons they being in their fits and falling into their fits at our coming into their presence, as they said. Some led us and laid our hands upon them, and then they said they were well, and that we were all guilty of afflicting them, whereupon we were all seized as prisoners by a warrant from the justices of the peace and forthwith carried to Salem. End quote. Hmm. The Reverend John Hale explained how the touch Test I keep wanting to say the touch taste. I the don't...
1: touch taste.
2: The touch taste. Let me That's let my... my
1: tug on your skin.
2: That's my combined massage parlor sushi bar restaurant okay. name. The touch taste. Okay. Taste of touch. Maybe that one's better.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so
2: continue, Reverend...
1: <laughs> please. Stick to your day job, Caitlin. <laughs> We're podcasting. Who?
2: Who? Did you just use my proper name? My Christian name.
1: Alright, bitch. Come on.
2: <laughs> so Reverend John Hill explains how the taste the touch test supposedly worked. He said, quote, The witch by the cast of her eye sends forth a malefic venom into the bewitched. To cast him into a fit, and therefore the touch of the hand doth by sympathy cause that venom to return into the body of the witch again. Two things about that. One, I appreciate the random capitalized letters. Two, I wouldn't get caught because I ain't got no damn sympathy. So right. <laughs> I ain't got no sympathy for I you. I love baby. that.
1: I want that to be a, a drag queen name. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage Malefic Venom.
2: Malefic Venom. <laughs> And then there's just like a, a quiet clap. <laughs> <laughs> Malefic venom and a witch. Yeah. Yep. So as we can see, these are all very uh subjective tests or I evidence. It, I think it's very pretty weak.
1: concrete.
2: Just fucking, yeah.
1: I think it works, man. Solid. That's the exact quote someone said in Salem. They're like, what do you think of these? And they're like, I think it's good.
2: Shame's legit to me. She was just, you know, she was in the floor rolling around. She was spitting. She was sweating. She was cussing. We all could just see right on up her skirt, and I kind of liked it a little bit, but I didn't want to admit that I kind of liked it, but she was just rolling around in the floor having all kinds of convulsions and just having a fit. She was fit to shit, honey. And then... That old witch came along, and she laid her hand on her, and honey, she stiff as a board. Wasn't nothing wrong with that child. So she's a witch. I think it works. Go on, man, hang her.
1: If a bitch did that, and she stopped convulsing, I'd just punch her in her <laughs>
0: face.
1: I just, Trigger a seizure.
2: Uh, nah, she ain't fine. Look at her. She's all fucked up. She, just throat punch that bitch. <laughs>
1: just cause her to... Uh, Right. She's good. I mean See? at
2: that point you're fucked anyway. Um one of the big one of the big witchcraft tests historically <laughs> Oh, that one came back around for you. <laughs> it
1: did. It came back a second time around. Came back
2: around. <laughs> no, but one of the big witchcraft tests that I didn't choose to talk about necessarily in this particular episode because it was less a part of the Salem witchcraft trials than other witchcraft trials. Historically, um, the swimming test was Mm -hmm. used. Yeah. um, Which is the one that everybody has kind of heard about where they throw you in a big old pool of water and if you swim, you're a witch. And if you drown, well, bye. But that was less, uh, that My bad. less of a role. Right. <laughs> that played it. Well, if you didn't, if you sank, you went on home to Jesus. Right. Or evil snakes. Isn't or, that just you know, the life
1: of just women in general, though, in yeah, reference to society yes. and men? Like. There's a,
2: there's a very ready metaphor in a lot of this. <laughs> because ultimately, if we think about what a witch is as a symbol We're just, like, smart, intelligent, funny, sexy women who like to help other women heal and grow and, you know, further themselves. And we are threatening to the male ego. We're threatening to the patriarchy. We're threatening to, to all of that. And so... There's a very, you know, for me, obviously this happened in the 1600s, and, you know, there are a lot of things that are not specifically about witchcraft that this is grounded in, which we will get into shortly, but there's a very clear parallel for me um, with how women in in general are persecuted. Right. Um, Particularly... Women who prefer to keep to themselves, who are very knowledgeable, um, who do sort of possess a lot of quiet power, um, that are threatening, very threatening to the way that our society is structured. Right. It's changing nowadays, hopefully. Um, but there's still a lot of room to grow for sure. So. Right. So, did you want to get into some of the? Uh,
1: so it's funny though that you mentioned uh, you know the women as uh, victims, but you know a lot of the women were the ones doing the accusing.
2: Yes. Yeah, so so just to clarify a point, um, when I say patriarchy, I don't necessarily mean just men. I mean, everyone who feeds into the system of patriarchy that exists. Right. And that certainly applies to a lot of the women that we see in Salem who are accusing others of being witches. They, They are, you know, they're very much part of that system. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not like you see Tituba accusing people of witchcraft and people jumping on the train to, like, heal Tituba from her, like, tormentors, right? Right. Instead, Tituba is the accused. Yes. You know, Sarah Good, who is essentially a homeless woman, is the accused. Yes. And you have the people doing the accusing being either children or women who are higher up in society. Sort of.
1: Yes. And what's interesting is that you almost have this sense of like, you know, you either confess Mm Mm-hmm. And live to point the finger at someone mm-hmm. and accuse someone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you deny it and you die. Right. Or get put into prison. Right. So you have a lot of that that was going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can sort of unpack the root, unpack the cause in different in different ways. Um, there are uh, several different theories. But one that we really wanted to focus on is one that we kind of both believe as the main cause behind all of this. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like I said previously, Salem was a very divided community. Uh, I mentioned that you had Salem Village, which was a poorer, more agrarian. Is that the right word? Agrarian. Agrarian. Yes. I love that word. Agrarian. agrarian Agrarian-based community. And then you had Salem Town, which is, like I said, what we know as modern-day Salem. Salem Town was more commercial and wealthier, so you can begin to see how that can begin to stir the pot, so to speak. Mm -hmm. These frustrations often led to people of the West accusing the people of the East of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was a large feud between the Putnam family of the West and the Porter family of the East. Mm -hmm. And indeed, a lot of the accused had ties with the Porter family. And there was one person who was instrumental in really um, setting this whole craze in motion. And I say one person because it not, it's not all on one person. Right. It's a bunch of people that's mm-hmm. really to blame. Mm-hmm. But you have several key figures like Cotton who all played their role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reverend Samuel Parris was one of them as well. Uh, of which the Putnam family had been a strong supporter of. Mm -hmm. So the two families had locked horns over land disputes, but things became hotter when it came time for Salem Village to pick a new minister in 1689. The Putnams in their camp wanted Reverend Samuel Parris, a conservative minister who did not tolerate unorthodox views on religion. They got their wish, but in 1691, just months before the hysteria, the porter camp managed to take control of local affairs and took steps to cut Paris's salary. Hmm. So, getting into Reverend Paris a little bit. In 1680, Paris moved to Boston uh, with his two slaves, Tichuba and her husband, John Indian. He married Elizabeth Elridge that year, and the couple had three children, Thomas, Which, Betty...
2: Sorry to interrupt. Like... Is his name just like flat out racist? Like, did we just?
1: I don't know. That's I how mean... he was described. It was John Indian. All right. And in every way that I, in every, it was just has always been described as John Indian, from what I could tell. Okay. So.
2: Cool. <laughs> All right.
1: Um, just just yeah.
2: wanted to point it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how it. That's how it has been. Yeah, his name John. We'll call him John.
2: John. We'll John I.
1: John. So in 1686, Samuel Paris began serving as a guest minister and interim pastor for several Boston churches. And in 1688, Paris entered negotiations to become the new minister in Salem Village. Uh, and he accepted the position and became the official minister in July of 1689. And from and I'm going to read an excerpt here, uh, but Paris We're had so not and an heavy this episode.
2: Oliver primary
1: source research. Except, so Paris had not enjoyed a moment's peace since the commencement of his ministry in 1689, and. Sidebar here, this whole minister issue had been a thing. They had been through mm. several ministers prior to this. Mm. Uh, a lot of it was that the people did not want to pay the minister's salaries. <laughs> so the minister was like, <laughs> deuces, I'm I out. And in um, Don't blame them, mm-hmm. right? So they had had some issues with ministers. They've been going through some things, right? <laughs> so... And so he came into this uh, between the warring factions in Salem town and Salem village. And instead of confining and channeling social fears and tensions into revival and covenant renewal, as his colleagues were seeking to do, Paris inflamed local rival rivalries Mm. by declaring that if ever there were witches, men and women in covenant with the devil, here are multitudes in New England. Hmm. By March 1692, he was convinced that witches had infiltrated the churches, including his own Salem congregation. Hmm. In a sermon on Judas Iscariot, he, de- he declared that, as in our text, John 6.10, there was one devil among the 12 disciples. So in our churches, God knows how many devils there are. Such preaching offered a powerful and dangerous release for social and political tensions that had been brewing throughout the previous years. Mm. It encouraged the villagers to purge their feelings of frustration and guilt by locating and destroying witches in their midst. In many cases, these witches were individuals who had run afoul of Paris and his key clan of supporters, the Putnam family. Mm-hmm. So once Samuel's daughter, Betty, and his niece, Abigail, began their fits, you mentioned Mary Sibley coming in with her witch cake business Mm -hmm. um, that really sort of set the motion of beginning to point the finger at who it was. Or like, you know what I mean? Like that whole, like, she's a witch you're a witch, we're all witches business, right? She's a witch,
0: you're a, a, witch, a witch, they're a witch, and we're all witches. witches.
2: <laughs> it worked.
1: Yeah, it, it did. World. It did. <laughs> so eventually the girls accused Tichuba, the Paris' own slave, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. Tichuba herself eventually confessed and was spared hanging, but also became one of the accusers. I think that it's interesting that Tichiba was spared being that she was a slave of Reverend Paris. It causes me to give side eye a bit. Hmm. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that because of that connection.
1: Right, like why he was she spared? Her. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. Because I've read some ser- some theories that um say not putting this forward in truth but putting uh they, they say that the village believed or the way that the narrative was later shaped is that Tituba brought, brought the witchcraft this, over from her from native the Caribbean. country. Yeah. From the Caribbean. And that, you know, that's sort of, that she was the origination point. So it's interesting that she is spared if she is the origination right. point in that not insinuating that she was at all. However, it is interesting to consider that, you know, People of the Caribbean have their own unique practices, and especially unique re- religious practices. There are some very unique religious practices in the Caribbean. Um, I have friends who are from there, so I have like witnessed this and the history of it, and um, that is definitely something that in an English or formerly English basically still fucking English puritanical society, those sorts of practices could have been perceived as witchcraft. But to your point, I think it's very interesting that Tituba is the character that we see kind of protected, I guess you would say by Reverend
1: Paris. And he, Reverend Paris himself before moving to Boston and Salem lived in the Caribbean Okay. So he lived there with his family. Huh. Uh, He had his father's estate was in the Caribbean, so his family had a history and had ties to that. So you can't tell Hmm. me that whatever religion that Tichuba may have had or whatever her practices were, he wouldn't have been aware of that. Because yeah. he had lived there, he'd lived on in the Caribbean, he right. was bound to have had some sort of connection mm-hmm. uh, or aware uh, or awareness of that, right And she was his slave, so he allowed her if, if she was, he allowed that into his household. You know what I mean? like it's just a little weird to me that a man who is so devoutly against witchcraft would have allowed. A slave who practiced something other than that into his home.
2: Well, there's a couple. So there's obviously a couple caveats there. Um, Unless one, of
1: course she hit you it, know, hit it, or right. whatever.
2: It could be. It could be a hidden thing. That is a thing. Uh, when you enslave a whole another race,
1: yeah,
2: uh, they are forced to then. Um, sort of sub, not. I don't want to say subjugate because it's a. It's actually a really clever and super smart way of preserving your cultural beliefs and your religious practices. They kind of mask it. We talked about this a lot in the episode that we did on voodoo, of how um, Afro Caribbean religions like Candomblé, um, they take their religion right, and then. Lay Catholicism, or you know, Puritanism, or what have you, Protestantism, on top of it, and then they sort of like secretly practice their religion, yeah, in the guise of this other thing. So it could be, it could have been
1: a mixture of something things. like that. My point being is that I don't think he was he was stupid or he yeah. was ignorant to yeah. the fact. You know, what I mean, right. he had, had. You don't think in-
2: that he bought in to begin with. To the fact that this was actually witchcraft,
1: right? You don't, I, I you don't think don't, he bought the ticket? Yeah, and I just don't. Th- yeah, I just think it was, and th- I just think that it was a device that yeah. he used. Like I think, I think he, he was it. aware of what her religions were may ha- may have been whatever they were, and if it was something that was other than Christianity, I think he knew that and used it as a device to further. Whatever this plot was, and because yeah. he owned her, he didn't want to lose his slave right She got a certain level of protection right from him right uh that's what my personal sta- belief is yeah. on this because it really just starts to really take on the hysteria so you have people who you've got these families who are. Quarreling, and it's I'm going to accuse this person because of something that they may have done, or mm. because of something that they may have said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the poor, like you have um, who was one of the other girls who was the accused, uh, Mercy, yeah, who accused, uh, who accused someone of witchcraft because she had been a not a slave but a servant and had been apparently had been beaten by them. So Mm. you, it was never really stated like, oh, I'm going to accuse this person. But you have to think like there becomes a level of power that you have over someone. And if someone has wronged you in any sort of way, even -hmm. if they haven't wronged you, but if you feel like they have, or if you want to get back at somebody, you now have that power. And I think that's a lot of what the girls were feeling they felt power in a society that even as women as well and young girls were already feeling
0: mm-hmm. like
1: they had nothing yeah this gave them power right and I think it was I think they and they were young like we said so I'm not trying to like
0: well that's paint I mean that's sort
1: of what
2: happens when you give Someone, most of them, not certainly not all, but most of the accusers are young. You know, you've got kids who are 9, 10. If you give kids this kind of attention and you give them this kind of power, I mean, it's almost like, what do you expect? Right. And the adults in the situation... Did not act as adults. Instead, I think they, they used, used the situation to manipulate, right? And so to get sort of what they wanted out of it. On the situation. both
1: on both sides, you have the girls who are feeling this power, and they like it. Mm-hmm. And you have the adults who recognize that and are not being adults and are using the girls to, you know, to further, th- their, f- own further ends. their own means. Right. I mean, you have. Um, Even so much as, uh, like, if we get into uh, the cases of Rebecca Nurse, who was of Salem Town, Mm -hmm. and uh, Martha Corey, who was of Salem Village. These were two very prominent, like, very uh, religious women.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: They were nothing like Bridget. Right. Right. Nothing I mean, Bridget's like kind of
2: a gimme, right?
1: Right. They were nothing like her. They were the exact opposite.
2: Bridget sounds like she actually might have been a witch. I mean, I'm just yeah, saying. Possibly. I'm, you know.
1: Um, but they, these were women that were the no exact opposite. No shade to you, girl. So the moment that they became accused, right? It was like Whoa. anybody can be. We can we can name anybody. Yeah. And it's important to note that fact because at this point. It has now become more than just the two families Mm -hmm. because now you have people on both sides Mm -hmm. who are becoming accused of witchcraft. Right. So it has consumed everybody. And poor Mary, she simply just doubted the girls. Yeah. Yeah. She doubted the girl. She was there during the initial trial. She
2: doubted them because they were fucking nine and 10 years old. Right. And they're sentencing people
0: essentially to death. Exactly. Of course she doubted them. So Everyone because, in Salem should have doubted them.
1: But because she had those doubts and she voiced them, right. you had the All mother of, of one of the children who, of Ann Putnam, who, yep. Ann Put, Putnam Jr., and her mother, she didn't like that. So, a witch you are. Right. Right. And it's just, it, it's insane. It's insanity. The whole thing was insanity.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned that we're, um, at this point, the adult, you know, the children are way gone on a power trip. The adults are, you know, using it to sort of get the ends that they want and we're out of control and everybody's being accused. Um, the motivation here, I think Kenny and I are pretty much in agreement on this. There are a lot of different theories as to what happened. And, you know, there's even some weird theory about like a particular type of fungus that was growing, that was causing the girls to have all these episodes and fits. If you really look at it, if you look at who's accused, if you look at the order of how they're accused, if you kind of look at the order of events, It's pretty clear to see um, that the children are being manipulated uh, and that the adults are basically concerned with economics this whole time. This whole thing is economically motivated. Um, It perhaps didn't start that way, but it definitely ends up that way because the property of a confirmed confessed witch became the property of the state and was redistributed According to the state's will, and in a lot of those cases, it's redistributed to victims who, you know, were uh, victimized by the witch. Right. Right. So I accuse you of being a witch, and then I take your shit, and you die.
1: Some fucked up shit, right? man.
2: So the whole thing is economically motivated. It was a land and property grab. So our beloved Jaws Corey then perhaps knew what he was doing when he requested more weight when he was thrice asked to confess to being witch. Because Giles Corey did not plea, he died within full possession of his estate. Deliverance Corey, his daughter, would at least have her home and her land, if not her father. Mm. Today, Giles' placard in Salem simply reads, Pressed to Death, September 19th,
1: 1691.
2: Yep. Later on in the witch trials, um, when things start to wind down in about May of 1693, uh, the exclusion of spectral evidence by Governor Phipps uh, is called for. So the evidence, as far as like, oh, Kenny, as a ghost, ghostly specter appeared in my room, Um, That sort of shit was thrown out of court. Interestingly, uh, Governor Pipps ruled that spectral evidence be uh, removed from the trials or excluded from the trials right around the same time that his own wife's name coincidentally started uh, being tossed about in connection with witchcraft.
1: Huh. Huh. Yes. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right, talk about side-eye earlier. Mm-hmm. Now I'm giving manger yeah. or side-eye. So
2: right around the same time that the governor's wife's name starts getting kicked around as far as uh, being a witch, uh, that's around when he decides to rule that, he, that spectral evidence not be allowed in the trials anymore, and this pretty much brought a sharp decrease in convictions. Um, due to this reprieve by Pips, there were no further executions at that point. And, of course, his actions were very vigorously opposed by William Stoughton, the lieutenant governor, uh, who everybody knew was a prick anyway, and who Cotton Mather had basically boosted the power on his father's credence.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to note that his father had actually denounced spectral evidence prior to that.
2: Increase Mather, from from Jump Street, Increase Mather was way more... uh, I'm not going to say that he was not... I'm not going to go so far as to say that he was against the witch trials because he uh, definitely, I think his voice was one of the voices of the Boston ministers that they um, asked for advice from in the very beginning. But he was always 100% from the beginning against spectral evidence. Right. He did not fuck with any of that. Um, And he even said that he would rather ten uh, witches go free than one innocent be killed in the name of being a witch. So, Increase Mather, pretty straight up dude. His son was a fucking douchebag. And part of the sort of... um, Cotton Mather is like one... I don't, I don't want you guys to think of him as, like, the one guy who, like, fanned the flames. He's indicative of a bunch of ministers who right. were exactly like him who called for this shit, who got off on this shit. And you fucking know that this dude was just in his room just dreaming about some perky witch nipples. You know that he was just fucking like dreaming about like shaving their bodies and looking for the fucking devil's mark. You know he was about it. Oh and yeah. He was just jerking off. He as hard was as looking he for could, that dude.
1: third tit, honey.
2: He was. He <laughs> was. You know it
0: vexed him so.
1: So, yeah, that was a, that's a lot. The Salem witch trials. It's a lot to unpack, but I think it's definitely important uh, that we remember how this happened, mm-hmm. why it happened, yeah. uh, so that you know these things don't happen again. Yeah, right. Which is why we learn history.
2: <laughs> yeah, be, because as you know, you know, we like to keep things spooky, but this isn't just specific to to witch trials right i mean if you look at this situation that our country is in right now everybody's super divided the extremes are um very extreme there's not a lot of people in the middle but there are a ton of people on either extreme Mm -hmm. right and people are radicalizing because of that because people are in an echo chamber um on both sides and you know this that sense of heightened emotion and that um just certitude that you are in the right and the other party is in the wrong and you are glorified by god or by justice or by the state or by who the fuck ever to persecute the other side that sort of idea is very um is very central to the story so i so i think it is universal it's not just a witchcraft story it's not you know i mean interestingly like I said, most of the people that they accused, nobody that they accused is a confirmed witch, right? Right. And we joke about Bridget, you know, maybe she was. She sounds pretty <laughs> fucking cool. She was definitely witchy, right? Witchy,
1: yeah. But she was eccentric. We'll call our lady yeah. eccentric.
2: Like, I'm into it. But, um,
1: she you was know, you in the Salem witch trial.
2: Right. <laughs> but she, you know, this is sort of a universal story. This can happen with anything. It's not just a witchcraft story. Um, it's not just a puritanical uh, Massachusetts story. it's It's really um, indicative of what human beings can do to each other. Yes. even
1: still. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. And it was very um, you know it was very humbling because Katie and I have both been to Salem. Uh, and visited. I think we were there on Halloween, actually, we a couple yeah. of years ago. We were, and we actually were able to visit the memorial, the memorial of the um,
0: the victims
1: them. of the witch, witch trials. trials. We got to see the land where Giles Corey was pressed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and actually, just recently. And this is what's crazy to me is that only recently um, did they did the city of Salem. Actually, create or acknowledge the location of where the witches, quote, witches when, had been yeah. hanged. Because mm-hmm. when we went, um, there was no, like, there was a lot of guesswork on where like Gallows Hill and speculation yeah. on where yeah. Gallows Hill was. Yeah. There is a Gallows Hill park. But, um... That's not the site. That is not the site. I actually did a shit ton of research before we left. Yeah. Because I was so heavenly invested in this. um, And wanting to know, like, where they were, um, hanged. And turns out. Turns out it was
2: behind the CVS.
1: (laughs) It was a Walgreens.
2: Oh, was it a Walgreens? Yeah. Turns out it was behind behind the Walgreens.
1: Walgreens. And you can
2: get 20% off Walgreens with the code (laughs) WIT. No.
1: (laughs) No. but uh, And then I think it was because we were there in what, 2014? 2015? Something like that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, And it was only in 2016 that the city acknowledged where they were actually Mm hanging. So now there is a memorial Um, that you can go to Mm. um, at the actual Gallows Hill. So I would love to, like, go go back back and see that. Because, you know, when we went, it was nothing but just dead space behind a a Walgreens. Right. Um, And I would just like to pay my respects there because that's the body. Because if you were accused of witchcraft and you died, they literally just threw your body Mm -hmm. into the ravine and...
2: Yeah, well that like that is, quote that I read, you know, they threw they threw a bunch of them in there together and they weren't even yeah. they weren't even fully buried.
1: Yeah, and it was uh left to some of the relatives to come and sneak and steal their bodies back in the mm-hmm. middle of the night mm-hmm. and give them a proper burial. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think that it's important that you know that the city of Salem Salem didn't even really formally apologize until like I think it was the 50s. Yeah. The 50s or 60s or something like that.
2: 1950s or 60s. Yeah. For reference. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry.
1: That's 1950s. Just to clarify. Uh, which is yeah. ridiculous to me.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where the people, a lot of the people, obviously you have people who were accused who were outside the system, but you. a lot of the people who were accused were part of that same system that created that, you know? Yeah. And so... It's it's difficult because you're apologizing in some senses to yourselves, um. So
1: yeah, and a, a couple of years after that, they were you know their names were cleared after mm-hmm. the whole incident, and yes. their families were given restitution, but they were never really given like a formal right apology, apology. which I think yeah. was important Yeah. Enclosure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, any of your thoughts on Salem and your no. experience there? I've
2: I've emptied oh in being in Salem. Yeah. I thought you were asking about the witch trials. I was like, "No, I've no. reached the end of my notes. <laughs> I've I've emptied my thoughts." No. No, it was a very cool place. It was very chill. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I can't wait to go back. Um but it was very humbling, I will say. Yeah. Um And particularly there was a so no surprise, it should be no surprise to you guys at this point, but Giles Corey has always been a big, um, a, a big focal point, I guess, for me in this story. And he's always been very dear to my heart. I've always felt a um, I've always felt drawn to his story. Uh, and when we went and saw the monument on his, placard on his stone uh, some relatives, I guess it was people who had traced their ancestry back to him Mm. uh, had left a note for him and they called him uh, Grandpa Giles and they wrote, it it was clearly a child because it was written in like Childish Handwriting and so they had written like this letter to their Grandpa Giles you know, thanking him for, you know being honorable basically and for you know for, for not allowing himself to be forced to confess. Right. And for me, that's the biggest thing is, like, with his daughter. Like, I, I just feel like that he was very in, courageous in that moment. Um, so, yeah. I mean, he's just, like, the one motherfucker who is just not down with the bullshit. And he's like, I'm not going to fucking say that I'm a witch. Right. And I'm not even going to tell you that I'm not a witch because fucking you're absurd. <laughs> I'm literally not <laughs> going to answer you. You are absurd. Yeah. And that whole pressed to death thing, that wasn't quick. Either.
1: No, not at it all. It took 2 days. Not at all. For him to
2: die. So, it was pretty it was pretty awful.
1: Yeah. So, I definitely recommend anybody, if you have the chance to visit Salem, definitely do so. Like you said, it is a humbling experience. And I think it's important that you sort of have a, a community, a modern-day witch mm-hmm. community who has sort of... Um,
2: adopted, adopted these people. Adopted, yeah.
1: yeah. They have adopted these people. And it's... Yes, I mean, it, there's a lot of, like, touristy things yeah. um, and all of that stuff. Um, but it's empowering mm-hmm. to see witches in witchcraft sort of take back Salem mm. and use it to and you know and just use it for themselves and for their their craft and their religion. And to be able to practice it openly.
2: Right, right. I, I don't even know I don't even know that I would say to take back Salem, but I kind of see Salem's whole journey with this witch trial as, you know, eating the poisoned apple, right? So we think that we're this city on a hill uh, which is you know what they were striving to be in the words of a very, very famous English minister. Um, and then they go through this crisis and they just absolutely fucking tear each other apart. And at the end of it, you know, they know that they're capable of that and they see what people are capable of. And And at that point I think they've reached a place that that witches real witches um kind of come from right because real witches are you know those who seek knowledge perhaps even beyond um like the moral veil right yeah and so i kind of see the city once it goes through or the or the town the region incorporated area, once it goes through the witch trials, it's kind of on the other side of that, and it has has that knowledge. It has that knowledge of darkness. And so, at that point, I think it's cool, you know, that, that witches gradually kind of take it over as a place of uh, importance to them. Yeah. Because a lot of, you know, everybody knows that a lot of the people who were accused were not witches. Potentially right. all of them were not witches in yeah. the true in the true sense, but they were... At one point in their lives, um, especially the people who were accused to begin with, they were outcasts. Right. And if there is one thing that the witchcraft community understands, it's outcasts. Yes. Um, so I think it's really cool to see them sort of adopt the victims and, and, and lift them up in the way that they have.
1: Yeah. So it's very cool. Yeah.
2: And I'm very glad that all of that is now out of my brain a history episode a
1: history episode husband. history of features
2: oh. <laughs> history of features. <laughs> so you guys know what to do if you want to get more haunted heart in your life you can visit us on the interwebs on twitter we are at the haunted heart on instagram we are at the haunted heart podcast and on facebook if you will search the haunted heart podcast you will find our closed group we have it closed so that you can talk about all the spooky weird macabre shit that you want to talk about that your family doesn't necessarily need to fucking know about that's why our group is closed if you request to join we will approve you immediately and induct you into our fabulous facebook family and if you think that we um deserve a little bit of uh monet for all the research and shit that we put together on this episode and lots of our other episodes or if you just want access to all kinds of cool bonus content, mm-hmm. audio and visual shit, um, head on over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thehauntedheart. And you can join one of our tiers there. It starts at like a dollar. So yeah. if you want to get on on that action, feel free to.
1: Yes.
2: And I think that's pretty much it. It for our updates. If you were not on the Facebook group, you should really join the Facebook group. The Facebook group is pretty fucking cool. Some days it's the only thing that keeps me alive.
1: True. <laughs> True. I'm, uh, yes. Yes. I'm here. I'm here for all of it. And so. Kenny's
2: beautiful face.
1: Yeah. Alright, guys. So you know what, you what to
2: do. No, I was trying to I was trying to like double it with you, and it wasn't fucking working. No. It didn't work out.
1: Alright, guys. So. Until next time,
0: (laughs) stay Stay spooky. spooky.